it's not a zero sum game anymore. It's a positive sum game. If we can work together and be nice to one another, powered by people, then we can help each other to create value. And then your fans say in a fan club that's gated by uh, NFT, the relationship is they own a piece of this community, literally. Now I have a true ownership of a piece of this community. Then they will want to feel uh, more motivated to, to run this thing with you together. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm super excited to be here today with Fifi Rong. Fifi is our gold artist of the year for Modern Musician for 2022. She's amazing, and oh my gosh, she has, has really gone through a remarkable transformation, and she's really plugged into this community of NFTs for musicians and this new technology in Web 3.0. And it's almost like a tidal wave of uh, energy that's been happening. And she's done some remarkable things. And so I wanted to bring her on to the podcast and just have a conversation where we could share her story and geek out a little bit about you know, what kind of what's coming in the next year, both in terms of the NFT marketplace and Web 3.0 overall. And also with Modern Musician right now, we're developing an NFT marketplace for musicians. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun one. So Fifi, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on here. Thank you for having me. And the most importantly, thank you for the whole community and modern musician to choosing me to be the artist of the year. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you've, you've earned it. You're awesome. So maybe we could start off by you could just share a little bit about yourself and, and your artist journey and how, how you got start how you became the gold artist of the year. And then from there, we can kind of geek out and, and go into uh, NFT. Yeah, awesome. So I'm a full-time independent uh, music artist, uh, singer-songwriter, producer based in London. And so I've always been independent. So I would say I've been full-time in the last five, six years. But the first few years were okay. Pre-pandemic, it was okay. I could make ends meet. So I didn't really get my funnel, my business structure ready. It wasn't kind of in place. It, I was always on the passive side where I was invited to do the tours. And if I had a, a, a single record deal here and there, I was kind of feeling, I kind of like I was in a limbo in a way, especially when pandemic hit my career. It was just like an overall stagnant, I would say. It wasn't uh, devastating, but Overall, I just felt like I had so much potential. And also I felt guilty that I wasn't really doing uh, everything that I could. Knowing the marketing, the, the method is out there and then people are utilizing all the tools like what modern musician and gold artist teaches. So I was eyeballing on this <laughs> gold artist for like a year and I didn't put my foot down, didn't pull the trigger until I was really running out of money. So, so that was like the last uh, bit of money of my saving. So my calculation was I could live off what I have for about 12 months. 
But if I really gamble on this, and uh, so I will, the month that uh, the money will go in five months. But if this works, which it has to work, then I can make it back. So it was like a risky thing to do. So I, yeah, so because Michael, who I'm talking to right now, that really convinced me because I was doing the one band challenge. I'm very into the whole kind of like a vibe and feeling and intuition. So after, you know, Michael's uh, generosity in helping everybody and uh, Michael is such a pure, like a heart of gold kind of person. And I know your mission. I know how you are here to help musicians in order to help the world, to help change the world. So because of that, I, I remember you uh, stay online for four hours just to take 90-something <laughs> people to sort out every uh, single problem. So after you've done that, I realized your team are very uh, like-minded because what's, what's your vibe attracts your tribe. So I, I got, like, I felt this is the right team. If I have to gamble on anybody, then I gamble on this one. So, so I went for it. And also because this was kind of like my last resource. So I just, uh, I work really hard and I took whatever that you guys taught me to uh, use a little bit of my creativity and the entrepreneurial spirit. And I just went for it. And, and the key word in the whole thing, I think what really got me to win the artist of the year, I think it was the word community, because I didn't really, I was kind of, a lot of people are like that, um, would call themselves as long wolves, because we we stuck in our own studio and working on our own stuff. And how human beings are, the more separate you are, the more separate you think you are. Mm. So it makes you feel ah, this whole community is so cheesy. It's not for me. It might be for them until that I got, found myself in one where everybody in gold artists and the modern musicians celebrate each other's success. And that's really transformational for me. And then that just got me out of, uh, bring me out of that selfish zone because I thought I was really selfish, but I, that was the training of my kind of like isolated life. One is pandemic, one is because I'm the producer. And then the last double album took me five years. Of course, and I'm the only I'm the only child. Of course, I'm alone. It doesn't mean that I'm a selfish person. And also, there's another layer to this: is in Web two, as in like everything that's outside currently Web three, the blockchain technology. It's a very zero sum game. The competition is very fierce. So the general culture, especially in music, is very competitive. It's like if I take your spot, then I there's one less spot for me because mm. <laughs> you're you're. Taking like that airtime of the attention. So it's a general environment that is not the most conducive for givingness or love or care. But luckily, I found myself in uh, Gold Artists, like this community that changed who that bring out the good in me a lot. And so because of that community, then I wanted to really overcome my sandoffishness. And so I started to help other people and wanted to help other people as well. And then that got me into, I would say the one step before that was because of Gold Artists got my structure, giving me the confidence to get my structure together. 
So I've got my automation in place. That gave me the confidence to go to Web3, namely right, currently just mo mostly Twitter. People gathering Twitter, the social audio is called Spaces. So, so I have the confidence and the time and the, the energy the knowledge I learned from you to, to go there and then to build my community over there. And the first, how I got there was out of curiosity and the education. And so I wanted to learn, but I noticed there wasn't any music community in NFT just yet. Uh, but I did find uh, several people dotted around the net. So I thought, uh, why don't I bring a bunch of uh, gold uh, gold artists from you know at that time I was still in the third month of gold artists so let let me get everybody and say hey you know I found cheese uh, it just Imagine if I'm a little mouse. <laughs> hey, I found cheese. Come over here. Get all the, all the mates there. So we have some people who followed me there, uh, but some people, other people, they are just not ready. Uh, but now I realize more and more people who are ready. So I went with the, the educational kind of like attitude to go there and learn. Since I started to host the space, I wasn't even like teaching because I was just there to learn. But it doesn't stop me from getting other people to learn with me. So that's how I got started just around six months ago. And we happened to land there in the right time and the place where people saw this whole music NFT community thing is working in Web3. And so you we saw exponential growth of the scene and then suddenly that scene becomes like a 10 different spaces around the clock that became hundreds of people and thousands of people it's not going like a crazy like unsustainable in in an unsustainable way but you just see oh there is a scene now but prior the time that I arrived I just saw there was no scene so that's like a kind of like the when did I join gold artist that was uh, last July and I finished and then everything. And I started my crowdfunding campaign to prepare for my album release, double album release around October. And then that's when I started in September in NFT until now. And going forward, my emphasis of my release releases is quite Web3 focused, but then I'm inventing, <laughs> inventing and experimenting on channeling the Web2 and Web3 funnel into one thing because I'm one person. I don't have teams around me. So I mean, I, I've already done that as in like the Web3, Web2 funnel that I learned from uh, Gold Artist, say 80% of the traditional way of like a merge uh, vinyls and CDs and all that t-shirts and then 20% of NFT goodies and I set it at a point uh, of, of a price where the Web3 people come in and then they will be really happy for that price just to get an NFT if they don't get anything else and the vice versa so if you don't care about NFT, you don't have to claim it. So I don't enforce anything, force anything on people. So that's that. But after currently, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a Web3 funnel. So by me being the prototype, I can teach other people how to do it as well. So I am quite happy with having this role because that's very playing into my creativity, the originality of almost like making art, but like making these kind of, you know, in this role of pioneering. So cool, Fifi. Uh, I'm so excited to be able to 
to collaborate together and kind of be work. So, so Fifi, right now we're we're talking about you know, kind of working together to help bridge the gap between what what she is defined as like you know, Web 2.0 and Web 3.0, right? And yeah, I think there is a huge amount of opportunity. I do think that NFTs, and we can we can talk more and kind of geek out about this in a little bit. But I do think that there's it's kind of like the internet when the internet first came out, right? There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of people who are like, this seems really geeky. I don't really understand this. What's going on? And there's also a bubble. There's a bubble where like, like there was a, a bubble that got popped at a certain point and there's like all this excitement, all this energy, and then it popped. But <clears throat> the internet is still the internet, right? And it changed yeah. everything and it made a huge impact. And, yeah. and so I, I, I see a lot of like the web point 3.0 talk and NFTs, I think that there is quite a bit of that. Like we're still kind of figuring it out and understanding it. And there are some things, I think there's a bubble and it's going to kind of pop, but yeah. I think there's so much potential and I'm excited to, you know, to be able to collaborate and work together to really facilitate this transition and helping artists to fully leverage it. So your, your story is so amazing, Fifi. I mean, you had your last bit of savings saved up and you know, sort of this like last arrow in your quiver that you, that you fire. And isn't it funny that how sometimes it seems like that point where your back is up against the wall and it's like, you have no, no shit. Like I, I need to figure this out. That tends to be where our most like resourceful energy can come from. So, yeah. yeah. And, and so could you share a little bit about like, you know, what, what happened? So you had your last, your last arrow, and, you know, maybe you could share your story a little bit about like, you know, I know when in your submission video, you talked about the growth that you experienced, like, you know, what, what did that look like? And kind of, yeah, what, what did that turn into? The growth in short, I definitely 10 X my, my business. I mean, my career, I wouldn't say in a way how the, the vanity matrix, like Spotify plays or the following it, not in that way, but in a more real way which is my income and uh, crowdfunding campaign and how deep my connection with my supporters go previously i was running a campaign that was like a five thousand pounds that's like a seven thousand dollars or something i did that like years ago for a few years and at the time i had a manager's help like you know two people running something is much easier and and then now i got a five five fifty thousand dollars I raised and then that really said you know a lot described like you know that I've learned something I've learned to deepen the relationship with them if we don't have a deep relationship with them reading for me you know they are normal people with a normal income they're the same people especially during pandemic we're not talking about people from web3 with a lot of ease with a lot of bitcoin right where it's like these people they're still 80 90 percent from the just normal people working class or you know like people that's a lot of money so so that is uh, a very significant i would say landmark on the success from from the transition and uh, for other things, oh, what was the question at the beginning? You're saying how I did mean, I, I think it, you answered it pretty well. I'll just it was sort of like uh, like you told the beginning of the story, like I had my last arrow, and I kind of like pulled pulled the string, and you know, like what happened? Did you did you starve? Did you die? <laughs> like you make it up? But no, it's I mean, yeah, it's and I think that what I love about your story and the way you describe it too is that yeah, like you know, you were able to. Uh, raise over fifty thousand dollars and ten x you know your growth like as a musician, but you also realize that ultimately that's not really the most important thing. Like r- really, what it was was the connection that that came from you know building real relationships with with your fans and the and community, 
right? Yeah, and I would say there's something very internally that fundamentally changed. I already mentioned briefly that the is something to do with my own alignment. So when if you yourself, me myself, and I, <laughs> when they are more inlined, then I the the love that it comes out of me, and then that everything else, my relationship with people. And my immediate circle of people will be more aligned, and then that will ripple out. So I would say uh, this is a good point to to talk about. I think in the video I talk about how I the first kind of like a big thing was I struggled for about twenty years, like fifteen years, twenty years, to find the freedom to actually do music. Because I went through a lot of kind of uh, resistance from, because uh, I came from China and I wasn't supposed to do music. I was, you know, I told like had no confidence at all. So that was a big struggle. And then arriving in the UK, I was studying economics. I had absolutely no confidence. But then I went through the internal struggle to finally really say, you know, it's either die or do music. And I made a big gamble, burned all my bridges and the. Carry all the guilt uh, from uh, not being a good daughter because I'm the only child, and my parents invested a lot in me, and they told me not to do music because I know to pursue music is almost saying I will have to give up motherhood because at that point, like I was already mid twenties, so I know music is not gonna. It will take five years to. Just to find out if I can do music, if there's anything in me that's special, that will take five years, and then to become well known and make something out of this career, that will take another ten years. So I already knew that. So that means if I put music first, I'm gonna kind of like betray my family, meaning not carry on the bloodline. That's a lot of kind of like you know guilt, heavy coming from my culture. And another thing is financially, like my parent, my 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 dad's business. Actually, I was going into an economic crisis. That was two thousand and eight. So I couldn't find a job. I had like a several months of my visa in this country that I was going to get kicked out of the country because I graduated, and I was supposed to find a normal job, but then I couldn't find anything. So it was just like in that critical moment, and then my families, like they couldn't support me anymore because of a family crisis. Like financially, it's all related because the financial financial economy environment was really bad. So I did something crazy. Like I mean, I guess it's God or the universe was doing halfway. You know, it's meeting me halfway. I was meeting the universe. I couldn't find anything, but I could find an unpaid job, like an internship in music. So I got into this music company, being the liaison and the admin for other artists, which really taught me. Like first, it got me into the Scene and、uh, some other producer that found me and then put me as a producer with other girls in a, some kind of producer band, and、uh, that's one thing because that gave me the Mac and I started to try. To become a producer slowly, you know that was the first kind of like kind of like a tease. I said,、like, "Oh, maybe you could," or something like that. And but that was kind of like quite a period of time where I really thought about what do I want. Because since I gave up on music, when I knew my life was meant for music, I wanted music, but thinking I'm just having no talent whatsoever. And then that's、uh, I gave up when I was fourteen. 
So around for 10 years, I didn't do music and I was absolutely miserable as in like, not say depressed, but have you seen Unbreakable with Bruce Willis? I think so. When you first said that, the first thing that came around was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It was a different Unbreakable, probably quite different. Uh Yeah. So basically it's like he's got this mild sadness in him that when you're not living your purpose, it just there's something that's just I can't be happy. So I was hiding behind a lot of like a dysfunctional relationship. I wanted this on purpose to hide my dream. But the more you drifted apart from your dream, it's a, the more hurtful it is. So I couldn't like face that anymore. So when I became an adult, when I graduated, I was like, okay, I have to make a decision. So that took me a few years to say, okay, it's a double-edged sword. If I go into this, I would, you know, I I would have all these kinds of pressure and the stress and taking a big risk. But if I don't go into this, I would be miserable for the rest of my life. So I did the selfish thing. I followed my heart and then did it. And the first five years, my family just thought I was clinically like, you know, insane they actually thought they were just laughing they're thinking you're too old like it's like really but you can't sing though that's 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 kind of the attitude so I had to lock myself up uh, producing and trying music for the first like three four years before I came out and I called myself if you're on and that's what it takes to to find out if you're an artist so given that all that background that was everything I had that was everything. Music is everything I had. I put everything into this. So I was quite, I was doing quite well the first few years establishing myself as BB wrong. And then later on, I got to a point where I need to go to the next stage. So I was actively looking for a manager and I made that beginner newbie mistake of thinking the manager can make me successful. And I found the wrong person. And that's because I had that insecurity that I carried from from childhood and then adolescence because I never had the confidence being an artist. So it was very easy to not stand my ground and in this kind of very subtle intrinsic relationship it's very easy to give my power away so I did give my power away during this kind of like a power negotiation and uh, so many artists have the same it's a very similar story so I got very very depressed my internal alignment was 180 <laughs> separate it's like my ego was telling me just bear with it because you already put in so much so much effort you already putting everything this so just get I know you're miserable but you, you can just get through this and then see go to the other side but my heart was like there's no way because I lost all my mojo my drive my motivation was everything so I got very depressed and I had anxiety and I just felt like this vehicle is stopping it was really hard the manager was trying to push the vehicle forward but there's no engine inside he was the engine and I was just a hollow shell right so that and also I was living like a fraud and then the depression came from all I had was the passion for music. And at that point, I didn't want to make music. I just lost the love. I still had the talent but I lost, and the skills, but I lost the love because I just lost the drive for everything. So there was something that happened and I was like really blessed that I stood up and finally like ended this and then got him like kind of like out. And then that took a lot of courage because I was not getting any younger. <laughs> in my little head, I was like, you know, this if I have to start again, 
but I have to rewind the clock three years. So the last three years, I have to go back to beginning and then to do it all again. But I was too depressed to not do that. So I had to start again. So Modern Musician came when I was still in the healing of the second year of healing. And uh, the healing that involved a lot of uh, self-love forgiveness, self-judgment, and overcoming my ego. But there was the last, was like the last bit that I couldn't get through. That was the opening my heart up to love another person. Because my insecurity, I always had this, this one person. I felt very inadequate or insecure in front of when I'm in a situation that I'm compared to another artist. I always had this. So I felt really funny about um you know relating to other people the whole community it's just oh that's so cheesy that's not me you know and gold artist corrected that misalignment in me and then that was the key All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're gonna get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now and one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of music mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free uh, from there you can check out all of the amazing content uh, connect with the community and sign up for the live master classes that happen every week this is a gift for listening to our podcast for the show um, so don't miss it out go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview So amazing uh, you <laughs> an incredible incredible story Fifi, and, and thanks thanks for sharing that and and i think you're i, I think you're Right. In terms of, it seems like one of the, the part of the healing process for you has sort of been reconnecting with who you are and reclaiming your power and kind of realigning yourself. And one of, I forget the, who, who said this or exactly how they said it, but you know, something along the lines of you know, like our job isn't to, isn't to find love, but it's to take away everything that's blocking it inside of us already. And yeah. I think there's a lot of truth to that idea that like we're already whole and perfect and complete and connected and one with everything, but there's something inside of us sometimes that cuts us off, that makes us feel like yeah. we're separate 
from everything yeah. else that we're alone. And yeah. that's the thing that's, you know, that's, that comes up that usually we avoid looking at cause it's kind of dark and scary. And we're like, who would I be if it wasn't, you know, and, you know, being able to kind of find, like shine a light on that and reconnect it and, you know, you coming into yourself and coming into, yeah. you know, your power is just awesome. So th- thank this you for sharing that. True. Yeah, it's so true. It's not that we are born bad. It's just like uh, another metaphor to this is like, it's just a corner, like darkness is not a thing. It just, the darkness is where the light hasn't reached, right? As long as you shine the light to the darkness, there's no darkness. So it's yeah. like, now we realize, okay, so I have that love inside. It just, it was either blocked or it was something inside of me that I didn't believe. Mm-hmm. It was a self-limited belief or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, being, being the light and shining, shining the light and doing that for ourselves. But then, you know, that's like, like ultimate kind of our role, I think in, in the world is sort of to be able to shine a light and that's what you're doing. Like you, you are <laughs> express like with your music, with who you are, with sharing your story like that, you not to get too like metaphorical here, but I really think that that is in a lot of ways, it's like a, shining a light. Right. And, and I think there's something really interesting just about light itself. I read uh, Einstein's uh, biography and he had a lot of realizations about um, just like the quality of, of light itself. And apparently time moves at exactly the same speed as light. So, you know, if, if somehow you're able to go faster than the speed of light, then you'd actually be kind of be, be like reversing time. Yeah. So light is the exact speed of light is the exact speed at which you know time passes which is really interesting but also when you think about it like basically life on earth as we know it it only exists because of light energy from the sun (laughs) that's sort of that nurtured the plants which absorbs energy and then we ate the plants but so it's all kind of like light energy (laughs) that we're comprised of (laughs) in a way right so i think this idea of like you know being light shining a light is a really interesting metaphor I'm pretty sure the 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 whole spirituality and the you know the energy. A lot of people these days, especially in this decade, people are talking about laws of attractions and energy and all that kind of stuff. These things are all scientific. I'm pretty sure it's all scientific. It's just the science that hasn't really you know been able to explain those things. But they are slowly, slowly quantum physics and starting to explain a lot more. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I find this topic super fascinating around just like the power of thoughts. And, and I think there is obviously, there's some things with the law of attraction, I think, where it's like, like, you know, if I'm just gonna like sit down in a room and just and think, imagine something and then magically it's going to happen. It's like, you know, it's not ex- exactly how it works, but there is so much power and the ability to kind of create a vision and to create that belief and to continue. You know, like, I think that everything that, that exists around us, especially like everything that was created by man or woman, you know, is something that was first started as a thought, right? Like everything that was made by humans is like, it started as a, th- a thought and it took some time to develop it, to like turn it into an actual thing, right? Like even like in this room right now, if we look around <clears throat> at all the things that exist, it's like, well, you know, it probably it started out as a thought and then there was some sort of gap between the thought and the realization of the the thing itself yeah like um, Bob, uh, proctor i think that's him like bless him he he just passed away he's one of like the i think it is what he said is like everything is created twice right one is in your head and the one is in a reality 
definitely it's it's fascinating yeah and just like the the connection between the thought and the thing right like the it's almost like the seed the seed and the tree and it's like oh what you know the seed contains the tree in and of itself i mean there wouldn't be a tree without the seed right and there's something about that the creative energy like thoughts themselves are just this like very high frequency level of creation and and i think that in a large degree like we can we can think a lot faster than we can than we can do we can think faster than we can talk or speak or communicate we can think faster than we can you know kind of take this creative thought and and i think some of the best musicians they're literally able to kind of channel their thoughts so it's like they don't have to think about that they're like going to move their fingers a certain way they just channel this greater energy through them so they're able to kind of really there's no gap between their thoughts and the actual realization of the noises that they're making right so i feel like I'm really going down a rabbit hole here, so I promise I'll like kind of pull us back up here. But I'm especially fascinated by like Neuralink, the thing that Elon Musk is making right now with the brain interfaces, and and I think that whether it's Neuralink or some other form of you know interface, that one of the greatest revolutions of our lifetime likely is going to be our ability to interface with you know computers to be able to potentially you know, telepathically communicate with each other on the, on the level of thought, as opposed to right now, there's sort of this bandwidth issue where we're not able to communicate as, as fast and accurately as we would be able to, if we were able to directly through, through our thoughts. Of course, there's a lot of like fears that come up around like, oh, having a device in my brain that can read my thoughts, <laughs> nothing could go wrong with that, right? <laughs> so obviously there's, there's like, you know, a lot of fear around that, but I, I think that it's like a, evolution that's sort of inevitable and i and i do think that it's something that's going to bring us together and it's actually going to shine a light i think it is going to shine a light on everything that we're kind of afraid of right now we're like oh if everyone if they actually knew who i am if they knew what i actually thought like then no one would love me or i'd die or something and i think that i don't know what's going to happen but but i'm really fascinated by this idea of like having this interconnected you know increased bandwidth so like the internet but now it's like our brains are able to connect with each other more directly and kind of open up those channels. You know, what, what would even happen then? I, I actually have heard on different planets. I mean, that is a little bit woo-woo, but there, there are, you know, has been said that on a different planet, which is much more evolved than we are, they actually can read each other's mind just like that. But then they are like maybe, uh, isn't like a thousand years ahead of us on their civilization. But anyways. <laughs> it's it's interesting the- stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, like how you were starting from the thought that uh, creates your reality is very mm-hmm. similar uh, to echo back. When I say my internal alignment, when that click into place everything else happens that is a testament of what we just talked about it's true isn't it it's like yeah. when my thought became right then everything else just starting to fall into places yeah absolutely yeah and in the the thoughts around i mean you talked about kind of reconnecting with me, myself, and I, right? And kind of, it sounds like really it's a lot about identity and about, you know, kind of becoming who, who you are. And I think that that's one thing that is so fascinating is just the, is identity in and of itself and how we construct identities for ourselves and how those identities 
depending on our level of belief in them, can either like really hold us back or, mm-hmm. and just the idea, like what is a self in the first place and, and exactly you know, what are we comprised of, right? A lot of times we think of ourselves as like our body mind, but you know, if we cut off our arms, we're still me. If we cut off, you know, all of our limbs, we're still technically me. So it's not, that's not really who we are. And we think, well, it's, then it's my mind, it's my personality. But basically there's a lot of yeah, there's these different like tests, inquiries, self-inquiry that you can do. And when you go down to the root, it's it's like you get down to like, okay, what actually is it that is me that's separate from everyone and everything else? And you can't actually separate. really find yeah. anything that's separate. Like there actually is nothing that's separate from everyone and everything else. Ultimately, obviously we have our bodies and our minds and like we have different humans, but like the self itself the self itself there's like it's just one thing it's just it's you know there's just we're all one living you know being that's interconnected there's no one there's nothing that's not connected to everything else right you are so enlightened <laughs> you're very enlightened so if you meditate a lot there is definitely a broader self you, you will have like a, a very clear feeling that there is something bigger than you that gives you answer. Because when we are busy with our daily things and we're using a different part of our brain, that's the ego self. That's like a me, my name is, what I want, right? And then there are certain the moments of transcendence, like, uh, you know, ayahuasca or, you know, acid and things like that, that takes you to that, oh, you know, we're connected. That me, you know, is a bigger me. So there's different different levels of awareness. That's actually what I'm going to do. Like in the next seven EPs, I'm describing the seven stages of spiritual development. Uh, evolvement like from the first will be the primal fear jealousy and then that ego self or you know threat threatened and frightened by the outside because i see me as the ego me right and until the last one will be the unity consciousness you know we might have a glimpse of that i'm not saying that i'm there just like maybe i have experienced a glimpse of that so i want to write about that yeah that's so cool. Well, I'm I'm definitely excited to to yeah. listen to the to the new music and and I, I think that yeah the way that you put it how there's sort of like a, a smaller self and a bigger self right and the smaller self is maybe how we identify it's almost like a like a branch on a tree right it's like a smaller self it's an extension of you know something that's that's that is interconnected that's a greater greater self and and ultimately there's sort of yeah, like finding that that point in actuality where there is like a separate a separate self, just it's just not it's not there. You know, you can go like deeper, you can like look inside and look inside, and it's like this bottomless pit. It's like Alice in Wonderland. You know, like the the rabbit hole just keeps going down and down. And there's a mystery to it, and and we can't conceptually like like part our minds can't fully grasp it unless they're completely silent, which is mm-hmm. ironic because then it's like the more you you know the more you try to to discover it the the more that it kind of gets cloudy right but then instead if you just can sit in silence for like a minute and just observe things as they are then everything becomes so clear but our minds you know like you talking like the egos of it just likes it just keeps going 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 because it's afraid of i don't know dying yeah. like, cuz yeah. if if yeah. it saw that that it ultimately it is an illusion then then it ends up like a part of it dies because it's not actually real ultimately it's just an idea right 
I heard is at a certain level or stage of evolution that ego was come from the package of that we need to know who we are so we don't get eaten by the tigers and the lions. So we need to know that we need this ego to protect us. But we have kind of like evolved past that stage. So right now, the ego is not doing us any favor, <laughs> but it's still there, like our primal kind of anxiety, feeling like, oh, your boss like says something and you now feel like I'm being chased by a tiger. Or before we go on stage, we feel like literally like I'm going to die, that kind of like my mouth is all dry. And so that's all very primal that come from thousands of millions of years ago in that body. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, that's one of the things that's most fascinating to me about how our brains work is how, um, and I think most most of us wouldn't consciously be aware of this or that this is driving us, but yeah, there's been a lot of science and studies that have shown that we're actually way more driven by our subconscious and our brain and, and our primal safety mechanisms than we're con- kind of consciously aware of or that we would normally you know take credit for. And yeah, a lot of times that like those strings are the kind of the ones that are pulling pulling the strings, and it's and it's really like the base fear is around fear of dying. I think like the yeah. like survival, right? And that's survival. Yeah, your your mind is not supposed to make you successful, but to keep you alive. So that's why a lot of people who are alive are miserable, <laughs> and most people aren't successful, unfortunately, because of we have to be aware of that what is primal in us and then to overcome that and I realized like uh, in successful people they understand that that's why they follow the fear whatever scares them they need to do that thing and then that they break through and then they go to do the next thing but the most unfortunately most people don't do that that's so interesting. I wasn't expecting to to geek out and go into this this cover this uh, type of conversation, but it's a yeah, lot of fun. So maybe we could we could talk before we wrap up. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts and insights on. I mean, you've learned so much um, about Web three and about NFTs uh, moving forward, and so maybe we could do like a quick segment where you can share. Obviously, we don't have like a ton of time here, but I would love to hear from your point of view, what's kind of the core of this trans- transition or the transformation between Web 2.0 to Web 3.0? What does that what does that mean? And how do you see NFTs and, and like really what do you see as the opportunities for musicians as we approach Web 3.0? Yeah, that's really good. I just had a little one last thing to close up like our last conversation because uh, it would just, uh, you know, stay in my mind. <laughs> it just wouldn't leave. So actually that conversation come from Web3 in our uh, community because hmm. we, we talk about, because it's like a, a kids in the candy shop. We have hmm. such a great con- connection because uh, Web3 is really powered by people the connecting people. In Web2 is very much of the financial structure decides where you are and then you make connection with the people. They decide like so that traditional financial centralized structure decides where people connect. But in Web3 is people first. So we always like have a lot of really great uh, connection with people and they're just like a loving on one another but don't have the discipline to actually go and execute stuff. So this conversation actually came in one of the, you know, in the group called um, uh, NFT Music Women that I helped uh, found. It's like a community for the women there. So I shared, there's three words. One is self-love. Second is self-awareness. 
And then the third is self-discipline. That's three things. If we can have that three things, which working for and then with one another, it's like a self-interconnected, right? So everything that we've said, we've talked about over the last hour so far is about that three things. And number is very in, important to have the discipline to, to, to do all the rest, to do the work, to actually achieve more self-esteem. So that's a part of self-love, right? So being aware of who you are, that's everything that we talked about. So knowing who you are decides your artist identity, your purpose, and blah, 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 everything else. Super, super important, knowing who you are. And then that all feeds into the self-love. And then once you have self-love, it's all about the self. And the world is just a reflection of who you are with yourself, right? And then you have the self-discipline. Super, super important because we can get so carried away. You have a career in Web2. And then now you sound like, ah, oh, this is transformation. This is a new world. Don't get so excited okay because everything so far in the last six months i've been in the mud in nft there's not so much difference the only difference is over here we have a six to six to eight million people on spotify competing for attention uh, that's why gold artists teach us how to how to really hack into that connection how do we really really you know it's like low oxygen tank when you're trying to run you practice running and then now you're going to web3 where it's not saturated it's not that competitive then you feel like oh you're flying but the saturation is going to come the people is going to come competition is going to come so when a thousand people ten thousand hundred thousand people trying to sell the same nft you, you better do something. You, you better have your structure, your funnel, and then your connection, like how you really loving on your fans and how that. A lot of people in the Web3 say, no, nah, I don't want to do that because we have a new layer of, you know, because uh, people hold your NFT, they can trade, they can sell, they have the financial incentive by holding your NFT. I said, that is a really good thing. You go from 2D to 3D, this is really great. But when the competition is here, you better do something and and then know what you're doing with your artist identity, again, self-awareness. So the conversation is the same. So I just wanted to put it um, there first. And then now I'm answering your question. Uh, the main thing difference is Web 2.0 is a centralized world where the big tech giants are controlling who they want, what they want to do and how you're going to how this is done, right? You have the Google, YouTube, you have uh, Facebook, Meta, and uh, you have like uh, those big companies. So the world is really built on this uh, top-down kind of like a pyramid uh, centralized world. Whereas the blockchain technology 3.0 is decentralized. And that's the key word of decentralized is a block by block for people who don't understand that just check what is blockchain. So the information is decentralized and distributed and then it's uh, built by, by block. So it, there is no centralized server, mm-hmm. right? So that really changes everything that how, how information is distributed and then immediate effect is ownership. So we, it feels like in Web2, we are renting our space so we are renting like a, you know the best thing we can do as musicians so we uh, can get people to do subscription 
And, and that is still a passive experience. Like you are the performer, you're giving them something, they are there to receive. It's not so much of an interaction. It's not, but that's the best thing we have. But in, in Web3, your audiences, your collectors your, of your NFTs are very, that hierarchy suddenly flattens. Suddenly they become your promotional team because if you give out, say, this one NFT in 10 editions, then these 10 holders are at the same position as you. You are not higher than them. They are not higher than you. But you need to work together to raise the floor price to, to make to hold the floor price. So then all of you can benefit together, right? Because you need to work with it. Otherwise, if one person just doesn't listen, that, that will crush the floor price. That is just like a, one example. So what that does is that it changes the nature and the characteristic of, of your relationship. Why is it people are so loving on one another? Because we can all benefit together. It's not a zero sum game anymore. It's a positive sum game. If we can work together and be nice to one another, powered by people, then we can help each other to create value. And then your fans say in a fan club that's gated by uh, NFT, the relationship is they own a piece of this community, literally. So they don't feel like I'm renting a space. If you want to kick me out, uh, you know, it's really passive. But then now I have a true ownership of a piece of this community. Then they will want to feel uh, more motivated to, to run this thing with you together. So that's very similar to like a DAO concept, but we don't want to get too excited because that's, uh, you know, that's another level. There's a lot of other things too. You know, it's a decentralized autonomous uh, organization. Let's not talk about that, but there's a lot of principles that can uh, say transferable skills that we can use from web two to web three. But the biggest thing is from the centralized to decentralized. The read and write to read, write and own the ownership and your relationship is much closer, flattened the hierarchy. I would say on the big high level point of view, that would be the main difference. On a more realistic level is that you can make a lot more money. <laughs> Because there's a lot of liquidity in, in NFT. There's just so much liquidity there. Like that's, and people are used to pay a lot more than today. For example, I was selling my starter pack, you know, welcome pack. And uh, I had someone who's questioning me about all the values that I gave two albums and this and that. And they, you know, like signed autograph. And then he was like a dwelling on the postage fee, the one that wants to cover myself, I don't go out of pocket, right? So in Web2, you actually do have people question that that's a few pounds. Whereas in NFT, the, the price mark, you are just thinking 10x or sometimes uh, 100x. So for people you have uh, to come in, if you are not lazy, you can have the first mover advantage. For the people who just really don't want to do that, you can still benefit. But when it gets saturated and everything, the red carpet rolled out for you, then be prepared that you are not the first doing anything because the first has been taken. Mm. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah, that's that's super helpful to, to understand. And, and a couple of, of points that, that you made that I think are, are really important are, one, <clears throat> I think the the understanding of, and I think that this is something that really makes you really special in the NFT community, like like you mentioned, is that 
the foundation or the fundamentals of you know what makes business successful, which is really around providing value and serving a need and connection, you know, those things have don't necessarily have changed as much. Like those fundamentals are always going to be the fundamentals. Like you provide service, you provide value. More um, so in website. Right. And, and so, you know, you have those fundamentals, but there's this tool and there's this opportunity, this way to, that is, that really changes the game in, in so many ways. And I, I, I think you're so spot on too when it comes to the key. I, I'm certainly not like a, a master or like an expert where I understand all everything like when, when it comes to the blockchain. You know, it's something that's, that's still newer for me as well. But it does seem like the biggest shift is really around those two key terms you talked about, centralization to decentralization. And interestingly, I feel like that that shift has more to do or it's it's more connected than at that you might think to part of what you're talking about with like the brain interfaces and about this movement with like being able to telepathically communicate with each other and and about identity and you know kind of small self bigger self decentralization just as an idea I think is is really interesting and blockchain you know having the capability to you know essentially effectively decentralize you know the these organization the organization of power right is very very interesting and yeah that might be something that's bit longer term like who, who knows like like being fully decentralized like everything and, and bringing it brain interfaces and being able to like i don't know like like decentralized like you, you still like centralize let's say that we all were interconnected through brain interfaces and we were able to become and i know for some people this is gonna be like oh that sounds scary and terrible ah but like you know having like a hive mind almost like having a hive mind where we were all you know, able to be, you know, interconnected. Uh, Joe Dispenza, so retreat. I, I swear, I've heard probably like 10 to 20 people who've been like, Joe Dispenza, Joe Dispenza. Usually when I'm geeking out and I'm talking about stuff like this, he but I haven't. Hive mentality, okay. of like, you know, he said like the, the birds that fly, there's no boss telling them where to fly, but they're connected. They're interconnected. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of thing we can do as a human as well. Yeah. But please really interesting. Them. Joe Dispenza, so I, I'm not qualified to like to make like a judgment of, of him or not. The only the the one thing with, with him that I started reading one of his books and like pretty early on I stopped reading it because there's a point where he he was talking about like science and about how there was like some studies that were like that he that he disagreed with and then he was just like screw science like i'm I, I don't care about science like science isn't really i don't remember exactly what it was but there was something and i might have jumped to conclusions too quickly maybe there was a, a better point to it but to me that kind of it felt like like i think it's really important that as we're treading this territory that we have a lot of respect for you know for science and for not just having hypothesis but like actually like you know testing things in reality at the same time science has limitations and i think you know there's we're gonna grow into it but i do think that things like i think science is is really really important i think um, he meant a newtonian called a newtonian science I think when you say he's the screw something something, that's like uh, we have uh, evolved to the quantum science of the stuff. He said he's very science based, from I know. And then the only thing he's against is the the science that's already quite in the past, like a hundred years ago, Newtonian science, for example. Mm. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. I well, think maybe I'll need to maybe I'll need to give it another <laughs> shot and dig a little yeah, deep into yeah. it. But so yeah, decentralization and centralization, like it's almost it could be connected to sort of this evolution or revolution when it comes to the way that artificial intelligence is developing and and it seems like over time 
especially in the last you know, 20 years, artificial, quote unquote, artificial intelligence is seemingly less and less artificial. It's becoming more and more lifelike or human-like, right? Compared to Microsoft Sam, you know, like, hello, I am a robot. And now, you know, our devices that we can talk to that can understand what we're saying and do a decent job responding, they're not perfect, but just like the, that, that trajectory, you know, like it's not going to be very long now before what we think of as, you know, artificial intelligence is able to communicate with us in uh, probably a very similar way to how we have a conversation right now. And at that point, but with all the benefits of being able to, you know, be interconnected with tons of other computers and having this huge bandwidth that it sort of feels like it's either, either we're going to be able to merge with that type of intelligence or it's either going to leave us behind. So there's a lot of... Because there's, there's a lot so of fear than, it. Like, yeah, there's like hundreds or if not thousands of times smarter than us. If we can make them into interpreting like our conversation, for example, I've seen a documentary called The Goal, and they play the the, the thing go with the the world champion, the Korean guy, the, the machine one, AI one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Elon Musk also said, you know, I he can't stress enough the ex existential cry like a threat of ai himself mm. like he does right. say that yeah, yeah. It, it's very it's coming like it's like a, why is no one aware of this like, <laughs> the biggest threat more than pandemic more than with other stuff mm. right right I, I do feel like it's one of the it's like a tidal wave that i mean if again if you just look at the trajectory with the artificial intelligence and how much it's grown in the past 10 20 years we're not talking about like you know, 500 years from now, we're talking about like, you know, 20 to 50 years from now, like really this, this intelligence, you know, being, you know, like having to figure out what we're going to do with it. And and what I'm more worried about is, I mean, who knows? Like, I I don't think that, that, that intelligence in and of itself is going to be, that's what I'm looking for, like, want to hurt, (laughs) want to hurt humans or try to kill us or anything like that. Like, I don't think that we have to worry about it being kind of violent in nature. What I think we probably need to be worried about more is the humans who have control over it. And if it's, if it's really siloed to a few centralized units of power, then that, that could be scary. Like what, what the humans do with, with that. But I also feel like just at that level the artificial intelligence it's gonna be really really hard to contain it to just like a few people i feel like it's something that in its very nature is going to be you know plugged into to everyone so yeah it's interesting that's actually the danger of decentralization because everybody is all open source so the Mm -hmm. bad people can use the same technology to do things so we have a lot of in-depth conversation in our spaces about how much is the 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 web3 policing and how much of a control Mm. there should be Mm. and if in too decentralized it's not actually a good thing because there's so many rock pools and scam Mm. because they use the technology for the bad things like using Mm. a hammer to this to build a house versus to 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 destroy to break down a house right Mm. so those things are all in discussion that's why Mm. we have so much discussion right now and also there's a fear of people behind money currently in web to controlling the music industry they are not sitting there right they are already working on it and then they are not going to say hey i'm here to dominate you no they're not going to do that they go from 
underneath, as in in partnership and relationship. So a lot of independent artists are like a, a, a feeling the fear of, oh, are we just gonna do? Is it just gonna be a web two version of web three, and having those few power control and all that? So people are trying to kind of in a way fighting against that. But I'm like I'm a Pollyanna, so I'm always positive about it. I just feel like they will have their place. And we will have our place. When the novelty wears off, what we are left with is the technology itself, and it depends on you how you are using this technology. If you are lazy, then you don't get lunch. That's that's just how it. <laughs> it's super interesting. I mean, honestly, Fifi, we could I could probably talk here for like two hours with you and just go into this. I mean, even what you just described too, just in terms of you know distribution of of power and and. Some of this kind of goes into things politically too, right? Like communism versus capitalism and kind of like the centralization of of this type of power. And what does decentralization in terms of the blockchain mean in terms of of that? And I mean, it, it seems it seems like from a history's point of view that you know, the attempts at communism so far have not you know worked out at all. Kind of this idea that we yeah. should all be the exact same you know playing field. And it does seem like there's something universal to like there's a universal truth to the idea of the 80 20 rule how for some reason it seems like you know 20 percent always accounts for 80 percent of the results and yeah that that creates this this almost like a funnel type of of shape and i think there's a lot of truth to that notion and so the idea that you know should or, or are we kind of moving towards a place like is it morally like ultimately do we want to like everything is exactly the same is that even possible it doesn't seem like it's you know worked at all and when it comes to distrib- distribution of power too i think that there are obviously it can be misaligned right and if there's like one or two people who have like more wealth than everyone else combined that's when you really run into some major issues i think that it, there's there are like like in a lot of ways the distribution of wealth for like the ultra like top you know 0.3 percent you know maybe there there needs to be more done to help to distribute that that being said, I also think that the way, like I I look at billionaires and people who have a lot of money, and I feel inspired, and I'm like like I I want to provide that that much value to know that like I was able to make yeah. that level of impact on people around the world. But some people look at that and think that's uh, greedy or that that's it's wrong to to have that much power to own that much power. So. It is kind of an interesting you know, conversation, and especially when it comes to like decentralization, we're talking about the distribution of power. How does that kind of play out? I think the last thing, uh, do we have like the last point of like a few minutes? <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, we the, probably need to wrap up here. <laughs> so, sorry, this is this is totally me. Like I'm enjoying this conversation so much, I'm geeking out. I'm going, this is going longer than we normally do. This is definitely wrapping up. I'm not like uh, talking about different subject. Like my answer to everything that you have said there, I feel like we already talked about it and uh, the answer is within this i always see this is my i've never uh, told anyone publicly about this but my ultimate goal like in life maybe when if i can live until like 120 maybe not is to help like you know people to elevate uh, towards unity consciousness unity consciousness the reason for that is i feel a lot of the technology and the social structures and the solutions are 
invented trying to fit, fix the symptom rather than the cure. The, the was like, you know, like Chinese medicine, you want to be aligned within first. So if you have good health, you don't have to fix the, the wounds, if you see what I mean. So the wounds that come from deep down the human uh, the undeveloped or unenlightened states of a lot of things that comes from the lack of love, the lack of self-love, the lack of understanding of the self. So then the fear or the brokenness from childhood that grow into some kind of a monster. So a lot of people are doing bad things instead of like people are trying to fix bad things or start a new ecosystem or society what we need to actually fix people is us, right? Think about it. If you say, okay, we have all this advanced technology, but we haven't fixed inside the mind, the soul, then people will use this thing for bad things. But if we, this is like a, like a Eckhart Tolle said, if all this information he's bringing out as a spiritual teacher, it's like a taught in the kindergarten, then kids and then people grow up, they don't have the generational curse and they will grow up being loving like someone like you. <laughs> so you are like a loving on other people. You are just like a born Buddha or something. You're just like a so, you know, so unity conscious you are. So if people are all like Michael, let's just say, then we wouldn't have the bad things to be fixed. You see what I mean? So, so I'm always you be like, careful now. <laughs> my my ego is, is really like <laughs> so up. Yeah, we're like Michael is the new Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, I just mean what we need to fix the symptom of the problem and the crimes. Yeah. What the what the crime really need to be fixed is yeah. from the within, from the early on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I love that. I can't believe you haven't shared that before. You should, you should like that's an amazing mission, and and I think that you're not a, alone. I mean, I think that that's something that we're all kind of moving towards, right? Is like a greater collective enlightenment. And I, I like the way you described it, like unity consciousness, and it's about shining, shining the light on ourselves, which in re- recognizing our connectedness with everyone and everything else. One thing that's kind of interesting too, I, I had never thought about it this way until as you were just just talking right now, is around this idea because I've had a hard time fully consolidating this idea of the 80-20 rule when it comes to also, you know, collective enlightenment and being one, it almost seems like it's in contradiction with this 80-20 rule. Because naturally, I mean, it's not just humans, like this is like nature, you know, like when you look at nature, 80% of the fruit is born from like 20% of the results. And there tends to be kind of that, that split. And I wonder if what that could actually be connected to is with the progression of time, you know, when something blossoms, when a tree blossoms, over time, you know, 20%, it creates different branches that like multiply and it turns into more abundance. And so I wonder if like the 20% turning into 80%, like that's actually connected more to the nature of reality itself and and, and life, that it tends to expand, that it tends to blossom and, and grow. And so maybe it's not necessarily something that is divisive where it's like, oh, there's always going to be the elites, kind of the, the top, you know, 1% as so much as, you know, this is the movement of life itself is blossoming and create and, you know, growing and turning into, you know, more multiplying. And yeah, that's kind of an interesting viewpoint think, to look at it. 
elite is not not necessarily a bad thing. I feel like it's just like you say: the more value you provide, the more things you receive, right? The more abundance you receive, and then that's kind of like an equal equation in the universe. And also, people are born different. Some people's ideal happiness is to be a chef, and some people is to be a mom or be a dad. Some people is like Elon Musk, or、oh, we want to go to the Mars. So people have different kind of dreams. As long people are aligned and have that kind of like a, you know like a Christ consciousness, let's just say unity consciousness, then they would find their solution. So the people who want to contribute more, like that twenty percent of people, want to do more, and they receive more, like you know abundance back to them, and then the eighty percent of people will be happy about it because that's and. Fair exchange, and I don't want to give that much, <laughs> you know. So I don't see like this contradiction,、uh, as long as you know everyone is in alignment with who they are.、Hmm. Super interesting. Awesome. Well, hey, Fifi, we've gotten we've gotten down different rivals, different paths on this, but it's honestly one of my favorite conversations that I've had in the past you know, year when it comes to this stuff. So thanks for taking the time to be here and to you know share share. Yourself and your story and everything you're working on with NFTs and and that that movement. So, for anyone who's、uh, listening or watching this right now, could you share where they could go to learn more or to get more connected with what you're doing with the NFT community? Yeah, for sure. I would say just go to fifirong.com, and then on the page you can find my link tree everywhere, and I do have an NFT page as well. So if you go down the branch of my link tree, I have an NFT link tree inside my link tree. <laughs> so、mm. it's very organized. All the NFT resources to start with is all there. All my NFT projects are there, and the educational side I put together NFT resources. So for people really. Want to take that first step, and I have like the most kind of a whole bunch of、uh, stuff for you to read that you can't find anywhere like just by googling and stuff because this is a very grassroots level. Of wisdom from everybody. Not I didn't write them. I just sourced all the. Good stuff and easy to understand and digest stuff from everybody. So you can go and find that resource, and、uh, and then you will have more. Information and maybe you are come. You you will have more questions. And once you starting to have questions, I would recommend that you go to Twitter and find me. And then you can find my Twitter on my link tree. So if you come to find me, you can find me in our、uh, spaces and all that. Just say hi, and、uh, I'll take you to the spaces. And you don't have to come to my space. You can. Come to anybody's space and start connecting with people. And the way that you get into NFT is by literally saying hi.、Mm. So awesome, cool. So like always, we'll, we'll throw all the links in the in the description for the show notes. People can click on it really easily. But it sounds like you've you know really accumulated an amazing. Uh, resource for people to go to, and you've collected, and you've kind of curated it, which is super valuable. And、uh, yeah, I would definitely encourage anyone who's listening or watching this right now, if you're a musician right now who's you know pursuing a career in, in music, or at least you're interested in the music industry, then this is a, a really big movement that's happening right now. And so I would definitely encourage everyone to dig deeper and stay stay in tune. You know, we've got big plans for how we're planning on you know integrating with the with Web 3.0 and the NFT systems. And Fifi, you're awesome. <laughs> I know this will this will definitely won't be the last time that, that we. Talk and we geek out about stuff like this, but I appreciate you and appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much, Michael. That's a lot. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. 
Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.